Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are live. Welcome in. Yet another edition here of the Patriots Beat Podcast, live on the CLNS Media Network. I am Mike Cadlick, joined as always by 98.5 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth. Um, me and Alex sort of did a similar show here last night uh, on the Patriots postgame show for CLNS. But, uh, so we're just going to do this sort of again and kind of hit some of the sim- same points uh, that we hit last night uh, for our exclusive Patriots Beat audience. Um, I definitely have to revise and rehash some of my takes, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball after uh, taking 24 hours, letting the zappy fever come down a little bit. Um, you know, great game overall. Obviously, we'll get into it. Patriots beat the Lions 29-0 yesterday. Um, so we'll also we'll rehash that on the offensive defense. Then at the end, we'll get into a quick Boston Sports Minute, talk a little bit about uh, the Boston Bruins who will start their season this week. Um but first, before we get into the offensive defense, we're going to hit on some Patriots news uh, that came in today. Um, so starting with the running back room that had some highs and lows yesterday, obviously with Stevenson's monster game, but then kind of got hit with Damian Harris's injury. Uh, Bill Belichick told the media this morning in his Zoom presence that running back Ty Montgomery will not return to practice this week. Montgomery, uh, if you remember, was hurt in the preseason in their final preseason game against the Raiders, um, looked to be settling into a major role here in the Patriots running back room. He ended up coming back, played week one, and then was put back on IR with a similar injury. So he will not return this week. And Damian Harris left Sunday's game with a hamstring injury. So the Patriots have some work to do in the running back room. They currently have three active running backs in Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, and rookie Pierre Strong. And they have two on their practice squad in J.J. Taylor, who's been here for a while, and then another rookie in Kevin Harris. Uh, so Alex, thoughts on how they bolster this room? Yeah, I mean, they're pretty thin there. And, and and the most important thing to have, you know, in the running back at the running back position in terms of roster construction is depth. And I, I know there's people who are going to sit here and say, you want them to add a running back? What, you don't believe in Ramondre Stevenson after what he did yesterday? It's not that. It's the opposite. And it's something we talked about Monday. I want to make sure that they don't run Ramondre Stevenson into the ground right. too early in the season. So I put up a list this afternoon on 98.5thesportshub.com of running backs I think would make sense. I mean, you go right to the practice squad, right? I think J.J. Taylor is a guy, uh, if Ramondre is going to miss time here, or even not, if they just want to kind of limit his workload. uh, Or sorry, if if Harris is going to miss time here, or even if not, if they just want to limit Ramondre's workload after last week, um, I I think J.J. Taylor is a guy who you could see get a call. Maybe Kevin Harris, although – he did have some ball security issues there at the end of the yep. at the end of the preseason. They've had a couple of running backs in for workouts the the last couple of weeks. Uh, Nate McCrary's a guy who's still a free agent who's been with the Ravens that they could break in. Maybe they look to other teams' practice squads. Divine Ogzigbo, who's a guy who was here on the practice squad for most of last season, was let go in the spring. He is currently on Denver's practice squad. They could look to bring him back. So. I do think adding another running back in in some way, shape, or form is important just to manage the workload at this point. It's just yep. kind of a matter of, you know, there's what kind of back do they want to add? How com- how much commitment do they want to put to the addition? Do they want to add a guy to the 53? Do they want to add a guy from the practice squad? Do they want to elevate a guy from the practice squad? But I do think adding a body at running back here is kind of big for them at this point. Definitely. They need to add a body in there. Um, like you said, too, there's two two different types of backs that they can add. Internally, right. anyway, they have like Strong and uh, JJ Taylor are more scat back burner type players, where Kevin Harris is more of a bigger body, you know, run downhill type of guy who's which is more similar to Ramondre and Damian Harris's style of football. So um, I'll be interested to see how they do that. Exterior things, maybe, maybe not. Um, 
I will do this, and it's obviously not in play here, but the Carolina Panthers fired head coach Matt Rule today. Uh, Matt Rule finished his tenure in par- in Carolina with an 11-27 and 27 record through only three seasons. He was signed to a seven-year contract by David Tepper uh, and the Panthers. He has four years left. He's going to be owed north of $40 million in his buyout. Um, are there guys in that Carolina roster? We know that they had a joint practice here in the fall or in the summer, rather. Um, the reason I said it's hot take police over here is because a guy like Christian McCaffrey could potentially be on on the block for them. Um, they have a lot of young talent who I don't think they should necessarily trade. Guys like Jeremy Chin, Brian Burns, but um, anything you can kind of see that any guys in the Carolina uh, organization that could potentially become Patriots down down the road here. I mean, I. I- yeah, I certainly think there's some. Uh, I, you know, McCaffrey, they're not, the Patriots aren't necessarily in a spot trade for McCaffrey right now. Right. I also don't know if they would just because I think they think he's a good player, but Bill Belichick's whole thing, availability is the best ability. He never plays, right? He yeah. never, like, Christian McCaffrey's going to get wherever he goes, you're getting him for two or three games and he's going to get hurt. So I don't think, you know, I know I, I see people in the chat saying Brian Burns, Derek Brown, like, I get it. They're not going to uh, trade those guys. DJ Moore. Think, they're not going to move those guys. Yeah. It, it's more can they get mid-round picks for guys who are either older fringe roster players. So I do wonder if they would move a guy like Chuba Hubbard or Donta Foreman, who I think the Patriots would have some more interest in as yeah. more of a rotational running back. You know, you, you trade like a conditional sixth, seventh round pick, a, a pick swap there. I, I, I think that's something they could consider. Um Steven Sullivan, the Patriots could use some tight end depth. Steven Sullivan would kind of make sense as a third tight end. Looking on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know if they trade Marquand McCall. Was he's, he's an undrafted player, he's a defensive yeah. tackle. I just loved him for the Patriots in the draft. Um, yeah. You know, going a little further, Frankie Louvu is a guy I think is a rotational linebacker that would be a fit in the secondary. Keith Taylor, a slot corner, kind of boost the depth there. So. You know, I hate to bum everybody out. The Patriots aren't trading for Brian Burns. I don't think the Panthers are trading Brian Burns. No, the one they have too big, many young guys over there. Right, the one big name player the they might, yeah, the one big name player they might actually trade is McCaffrey, and it just for a number of reasons doesn't make sense for the Patriots. But it's something to keep an eye on because, like you said, the Panthers were here for joint practices. It was a dysfunctional week, clearly. Mm-hmm. But a couple of fights Patriots, in there. the Patriots. Oh, well, Kenny Robinson is still on the the Panthers practice squad. Should they trade for Kenny Robinson. Hey, sparks, um, I, sparks going. Uh, I, um, it, they, they have a history of going for guys that they've seen up close and joint practices before. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Also just, you know, with the Matt rule stuff too, the Patriots have their third round pick next year. So if they're going to go into a yeah. full on tank and did they place Baker on IR? I know it was reported today. They, he wasn't IR yet, but I'm expected to miss a few weeks. Yeah. High ankle so, sprain, similar to Mac Jones injury. You know, that third round pit, the Patriots traded, is it the 98th pick, I think, for that? Um, I'm looking right now. That was the pick. The Patriots traded out. The Panthers took Matt Corral. Smooth. They could take in Bailey Zappi. They took Matt Corral. Yep. And uh, they the Patriots got a third and a sixth from them. It was the 94th pick. The Panthers finished with a bottom five record. That becomes a, a top 70 pick. Yeah. So looking good right there. Something to keep an eye on. Another thing to keep an eye on. Matt Rule is going to be paid for the next four years by the Carolina yeah. Panthers. Something like $800,000 a month. Something absurd. Must be Bill nice. Belichick. Bill Bell, it must be nice. Yeah, we don't exactly get that here in these airwaves. <laughs> but um, we uh, is Matt Rule a guy that they could bring in to help with their offensive scheme? Um, I know there was – I mean, we'll talk about it when we get into the offense. The offensive coaching staff here was subject to plenty of criticism – the last several weeks, as they've changed things around their backup quarterbacks, they've looked a lot better. They've looked a lot more competent. As much as Matt Rule was not a good NFL head coach, he was a really good college head coach, and he's also a really good offensive mind and play caller. So do you see that, that potentially being an avenue for you know Matt Rule to get another job here in New England? I think the Patriots would be interested. You know, Bill, when, when they were here for joint practices, Bill talked about how he has a lot of respect for for what Rule's done, and maybe, you know, I just think Matt Rule at heart is a college coach. And you kind of saw it sure. the way the Panthers operated when they were here. I mean, he's still a college coach. Yeah. You've got some high profile openings, right? Wisconsin, Nebraska. 
I mean, and and then who knows what's going to come after that, right? Colorado right. is another one, but could Oklahoma move on from Brent Venables after one year? If it's a guy like Matt Rule who has a tremendous history of turning programs around, yep. he's going to get an absolute bag from a Power Five school, from a blue blood right. Power Five school. So coming into New England doesn't really do much for him. I don't know that it would help him that much in the, in the college level, right? College. Sure. He's kind of established already at that level. And yep. does he want to come back to the NFL or does he want to go to college where he knows he can succeed? I, right. I think he might want to go back to college. That's kind of been the trend here. It used to be, if you could get to the NFL, you get to the NFL, but we've seen coaches in the last five or six years and the way these coaching contracts have exploded in college and the job security and the way the buyouts work college to some coaches is a better opportunity. I mean, you look at Jimbo Fisher, right? So Matt Rule's buyout was what, $40 million, you said, about yeah. $40 million? Yes. Jim, Jimbo Fisher's buyout right now is $98 million. And that's, that's going to decrease over the length of his contract, and he's got seven years left, but he's going to get every dime of that. Right. So I don't – like, would the Patriots have the door open for Matt Rule if he wanted to come here? I could Even throughout the I end of the totally season? see it. Yeah, yeah, I, I could believe that, but I think he's going to be back at a at a Power Five program next year again. The two I like are Nebraska and Wisconsin. There was mm -hmm. one other; those were first and third in the odds. I'm trying to remember what was second, um, and I can't off the top of my head. But I, I I think he's going back to college. Football season is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events: MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your fifty percent off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, I agree ultimately that he's the other opening is Auburn. Auburn was the that's not officially open yet, is it? No, but it's, it's going no, to but be, it's but yeah, it's going I could to be, see him, so. I could totally see him yeah, at Auburn. That would be I another could good place. Totally for him. see him at Auburn. Yeah. Um no, I think I agree with you that ultimately he is a college coach. He's better in those ranks. Turned around Temple, turned around Baylor, but just a thought, kind of someone who the Patriots have scrawled struggled to put together a fully competent offensive uh coaching staff here over for this season. So just a I don't know. Ideas slash thoughts on bringing in Matt Rule, but um, Matt Rule done after three years, less than three years in Carolina. The last news item to get to for the Patriots today was just two roster moves. Uh, Garrett Gilbert and quarterback Eric Gilbert and tight end Matt Sokol both reverted back to the practice squad, yep. so they will not remain on the 53-man roster, at least for now. They can be elevated again, but um, I think this is a good sign for the health of both Mac Jones and Jonu Smith. Um, these well, quarterbacks and go ahead. They they automatically revert. That's the whole way the elevation works. They don't stay up. Right, but doesn't it couldn't they in theory have kept them around and that would be like their They would have had to add them. You have to re-elevate guys each week. Right. They would have had to re-add them to the active roster. No, I it's fun. You know what? It's not to pick on you. It's no, it's funny fine. when I see that transaction every week because it's the most no duh like the guys automatically revert. That's the whole point of the elevation instead of the right. addition of the roster, right? They go back on Monday. So um, I, I, I don't know if there's, they couldn't have kept them up and been like, Hey, we're going to elevate these guys again next week. The elevations come in on Saturday. So you, you have to, you can't essentially just add them to the 53 without adding them. You have to re-elevate them every week. Well, then I guess in theory, you learn something new every week in this industry. Um, but regardless, Gilbert and Sokol back down to the practice squad. Um, yeah, I it regardless going into the offense here now. Um, no, let me just say, I love the yeah. idea that you put it in the rundown because that's what this show is supposed to be is no transactions too small. That Fair. one might. And I, I said that it might you. literally I be did too say small. that to you. That might be the one exception is guys. Yeah. Re, guys getting elevated is definitely worth talking about. Right. Who they elevate. Right. You know, we don't do a show on on Saturdays, but kind of reacting to it on Tuesday. Right. And we can talk about the elevation of so-called. I do think there's something interesting there, but um, that might be the one exception to the rule that no transaction is too small. The guys uh, uh, going back, that just is a default. That's Fair nobody enough. who gets elevated doesn't revert. I guess in theory they could get released before they revert, but 
as far as I know, that's never happened. Well, anyway, adding to the news list was that transaction because we are relatively going to do a similar show to what we did last week. So trying to beef up the agenda here anyway, Gilbert and Sokol back down to the practice squad. Getting into the offense, the Patriots, like we said, won yesterday's game by a score of 29 to nothing. Uh, beat the one in three, now one in four Lions. The offense specifically put up 22 points. The defense put up seven of their own. Um, five field goals from Nick Folk, only one offensive touchdown. So there was some room, to, there's some room to improve there in the red area. But um, one other note that I kind of went through again this morning, kind of going through what happened in yesterday's game. I had said it in the past in the show, and they've been really good in their scripted drives at the beginning of the game and the beginning of the half. Uh, the first half, their first drive was, it was six plays. It was only 26 yards, but they, they scored points in their first drive yet again. And coming out of the half, they went nine plays, 56 yards, and again, put it through the uprights. Tough to not see them get in the end zone more than once yesterday, but I thought scripted drives looked really well, and I just thought that they, they were a lot more consistent on offense, and they continue to get more consistent on offense week by week. Yeah, I mean, it's still a little concerning that they can't finish drives, right? That Lions defense right. is not only is it the worst defense in the league, they were missing half their secondaries. The game went on there. They had, what was it, three, four, five corners and safeties leave that game with injuries. So I, it was nice to see them get some rhythm. But again, I think it was a still a very controlled game plan in terms of, you know, not yeah. opening it up too much, not exposing the offense to too much risk. And granted, that's all it needed to be. At the end of the day, you're just trying to go in and win the game. So that's not a knock. But uh, it was still a pretty controlled game plan. They're still struggling in the red zone. So uh, the offensive line played their best game of the year. And if if the Lions defense does have one strength, it's the defensive line. So I, yep. I, I think that was encouraging to see. But again, you'd like to see them finish in the red zone. And and now they got to gear up because the, the – mm-hmm. The, the Browns defense is, you know, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsome, obviously, if he plays right. Miles Garrett. So I, um, you know, I see people talking in the chat, oh, the Lions suck, the Lions suck. We'll get into kind of the qualifiers on this game. I don't think it's fair to do for the Patriots defense. I don't think it's fair to attach qualifiers to what we saw. It is right. fair for the offense, I think, to, to kind of temper it a little bit. I agree, but it's also, I don't necessarily think so when you are bringing in your third string quarterback, a guy who does not have a lot of, like, experience in this game to come in yes it's the worst nfl defense but it's an nfl defense compared to what he was playing with in college yeah a year ago. i i mean i i guess i think it's all relative again you can be impressed yeah. with what zappy did and, and again you know essentially no turnovers that one's on Aguilar, right so essentially didn't turn the ball over he's hitting the open guys between the numbers which you want to see he didn't look panicked he didn't look overwhelmed that's great like i think he totally checked the box of he's an nfl quarterback right and that's a lot more yeah. than you can say for some rookie quarterbacks we've seen the last couple of years, look at what Ke- Kenny Pickett's done the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's struggled, right? right? Kenny Pickett is not having fun right now, but no. so, so again, that's all great with Bailey Zappi. And at the very least, I think you have a legitimate backup for the next three years, unless, yeah. unless they trade him, which I think some people misread my comments about that yesterday. Yeah. I was more so talking about the narratives than the actual situation. Sure. But, um, I, you know, the people saying, well, you know, he's won the job, you know, all of that. No, no, Temperate, it's still Mac yeah. Jones team. We're at least one, you know, probably two, three weeks away before we start, you know, people bringing up Brady Bledsoe. We're, yeah, we're two, three weeks away at a bare minimum from even starting to have that conversation. So that's where I say you kind of got to temper the expectations, but uh, you, you, no, you can be, you can be happy with what he did. Again, I right. do think he be zappy. He belongs, you can be zappy. That's a, that's a lie. You can be zappy. Yes. You have he to proved, use the puns, Alex. He, he proved, well, no, it, a lot of people are using the puns where I work. It's more about the fever. Do you have the fever, right? Yeah. Do you have the yeah. Bailey zappy? I might have Bailey and... zappy fever. I have a different fever. We'll get into in a little bit. I think I might have a variant of zappy fever, but, oh boy. um, you can be happy with what he did, but it's, it's, five bridges too far to start talking about this as a quarterback competition. That doesn't mean people won't do it. They're going to, right. but realistically, you know, context and all of that, what does he do against Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward next week? You know, then it's a couple more weak defenses. So we'll see, but you know, can he keep this going? Right. If he has like three, four, five more games like this, then we can really talk about it. Yeah. But even to you, we talked about it last night, but the narratives that circulate, they're not they enter the locker room right and so a guy like mac jones is is hearing all this today 
whether it's this show specifically or your airwaves at 98.5 or, you know, the the commotion and the talk around the quarterback controversy that is made up is real and it gets inside the room. So Mac's going to want to play immediately. He's also been getting healthier and healthier week by week, according to Bill Belichick. Um, so realistically, I think the most likely scenario here is that Mac plays next week and we never see Bailey Zappi start a football game for the Patriots again, barring another injury, obviously. But I mean, he played well, right? 17 to 21, right? 188 yards, the touchdown, the turnover, which was not his fault without the turnover that bounced off Aguilar's hands yet again. He has another completion, goes over 200 yards, no turnovers, protects the ball, QBR spikes even higher. So like he really, he did a great job. He he did a really good job for what they asked him to do. Another thing we talked about, and I want to get into more with some numbers here, is just that they made the offense so much easier for Zappi than they did for Mac earlier in the season. Zappi, they ran play action 37.5% of the time yesterday for Zappi. Throughout the first three games for Mac, they only ran play action 10.8% of the plays. So, like, they're making it easier for him to make reads. They're making... They're just making the offense easier and even more streamlined for a guy like him to have success. Something we saw last year from Mac, and they tried to expand the expand the offense a little bit, I guess, this year with Mac, and it just it didn't work well. And I think that whoever is in the game next week in Cleveland, whether it be Mac, whether it be Zappy, they need to stick with the same offensive scheme they've been running. Yeah, I mean they they got to blow it up a little more. They got to kind of you know add some more deep stuff. I just. Tyquan right. running a go with all yeah, short routes is not really a deep call, right? I want to see them. They were basically their their deep shots to this point with Zappy have been we're going to give you three or four short, maybe intermediate routes, and then you'll have Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton, or Nelson Aguilar running a go on the sideline. And if it's there, it's there, right? That's where you got those two PIs this week. They got to start whether it is Zappy, whether it is Mac. I do want to see them start scheming up some of that. You know, scheming up some deeper shots. Yeah, sure. And, Agreed. And when that comes in and continuing the, with the play action. But I do think what they've been doing the last couple of weeks as a base is better than what they were doing the first two weeks as a base. Uh, you know, I hated the no play action. Obviously, the zone run stuff wasn't really great. Get under right. center, power on the football, hit play action off of that, whether it's Bailey, whether it's Mac. That's what I want to see, but then just use it to stretch the field a bit more. Really, the last two years. Stretch the yeah. field more with it than you have the last two years. I think that's that's ultimately what you want to see it look like. And that's yeah. sort of close to what the Brady offense was. Now, sure. it's still a massively watered-down version of it, but there's plenty of room between what they're doing now and, and what Brady's offense was. They can continue to add more without making it way too overly complicated. Agreed. The offensive and line let me just say. More- let me just – sorry. Let me just say – Putting them in Brady's offense does not mean they'll perform like Tom Brady. Obviously, I shouldn't have to add right. that qualifier. But Tom Brady's do offense mean? does Bailey not Zappi's mean the Tom Brady will be coming. your quarterback. He's the next coming, Bailey Zappi. That's He's coming true. in I for saw, an injured quarterback. Alex, come on! I, I saw somebody tweet Bailey Zappi's a more athletic Tom Brady, which, <laughs> like, just take a second and think about what that statement is. <laughs> yeah. Right. That would be the greatest quarterback of all time. Yes. Because you're yes. taking the greatest quarterback of all time and you're giving him the ability and giving to giving him some speed. Look, yeah. He's just he's just Tom Brady mixed with Michael Vick. It's no right. big deal. Right. Yeah, it that's is what we have is. here. You know, yeah. ho hum. Belichick brings in these guys all the time. They just don't yeah. get their shots. Um but it, you know again in this in this offense that we uh we're talking about here, this e- easier offense, if you will, for these guys, right? Even the even the offensive line Less seems complex. to be playing Sure, less complex. The offensive line seems to be playing better in it too. Cole Strange has been a monster again. Yesterday he had 26 pass blocking snaps, no pressures, no sacks let up. Isaiah Wynn with a penalty, but they he looked better. Trent Brown looked better. They just it's like they want to play more. Maybe it's easier for them. I'm not sure, but they look great. They were opening holes for Ramondre Stevenson. He comes in with 25 carries, 161 yards, averaging 6.4 yards per carry. Yesterday I said that. Stevenson needs to be the bell cow of this offense. I want to take that back a little bit because looking into as a bell cow, you need to spell these guys in this game. Um, My point here is that there was a sense around here for the last two seasons that Damian Harris is the starter and Stevenson is the backup slash spell guy. I think that should change after yesterday. I think Ramondre needs to be your starter and Harris needs to be your spell guy. Harris. The 
The reps need to be staggered, and it has to be Stevenson getting more. He's a more patient runner. His field vision's outstanding. The way he waits and goes into these open holes, it's like it, it's different than what Harris does. He's better than Harris. And no knock on Harris because Harris comes in. He runs hard. He plays well. I'm not taking anything away from Damian Harris. I just think Ramondre Stevenson's better. He showed his balance, too, on that long 49-yard run. He just he looked like a beast yesterday, and I think that he needs to – we'll see where Harris's health comes in you know, over this next week or two, but I think Stevenson has to be your guy that's getting the, the majority of the reps at the running back. I'll, I'll I'll say what I said yesterday. I still think it should be relatively even split, no more than 60-40. I think you got to keep the guys fresh. If anything, I think you, you add a third back to the rotation to keep them all fresh. It's about the impact level of each carry, right? And right. I think you should balance them, but when it's third and one, when it's fourth and one, when you're on the goal line, when you're trying to run the clock out late in the game in a close game, if the Patriots get to that point, those should all be Stevenson. Those should 100% all be Stevenson. Sure. But – I still don't know about giving him more than like a 60% carry share, especially this early in the season. Cause you know, I, I compared it to Judon last night and I'll say it again. Let's say like, you know, week 18, right. Against Miami is a perfect example. That could be a win and in game for both teams. Sure. You got to run the clock out, but you don't have Ramondre Stevenson cause he's still dealing with the nagging injury. Cause you had to give him, you know, 29 carries against the New York jets in mid October. That's going to hurt. That's going to suck. So I just think you have to you have to have the big picture in mind. But this game, this game you talk about in mid October against the New York Jets, is it a close game? Is it a game that, in theory, right? It should not take Ramondre Stevenson twenty nine carries to for the Patriots to beat the Jets. It it if if it takes if it takes Ramondre Stevenson running the ball that many times to beat that team, they're not going anywhere anyway. It doesn't matter, right? More so, so my my point there more so is that if. If that's what you need to win the game is the 29 carries, you need to win the game. And you need to win you need to worry about winning games now and you can't worry about potentially trying to win a game. So then game. you don't so then you don't think the Patriots are a very good team. No, not what you're saying. No, I'm just comparing the running back room. No, you're We're saying talking. they're not good enough. You're not you're saying they're not good enough for the Jets are three and two. To beat Be the, what you say. They played like <laughs> nobody. Um you're saying that yeah, Skylar Thompson really lit it up. You're saying that they're, they're they're only as good as Ramondre Stevenson running the ball 29 times to beat the Jets. No, there, there's something to say about the term any given Sunday. And if that's what you have to do on that Sunday against the Jets. Okay, you, okay. look, if, if the that's game my develops point. that way, yes. the game develops that way. But not every game is going to develop that no, way. No, I'm no, saying no, no, You can't not. go into every game saying we're going to get, thir- you know, Ramondre's got to give us 30 quality carries today for us to win this thing. Yes, it might pop up at times. It's like, look, it's exactly right. what happened on Sunday, right? You needed him to do it, and he did it. That's and great. he did it. But you don't want him doing that every week. You don't want to have to count on him doing that every week. Yes, there may be spots where that has to happen, certainly. But you don't want to make it a central point of your game plan because you're going to run him into the ground is basically my point. Point taken. Understood. I just love Stevenson. Love watching him play. I think he's better than Harris. He needs to, again, take these. He has to take the important snaps over Harris is what we can agree on here. He's the better back. He needs to be. He also needs to be healthy to take them. So point taken from you. Um, Again, it's it's that catch 22, right? Of course. You want him out there as much as possible. But the only way to get him out there is as much as as much as possible is to keep him healthy. And the only way to keep him healthy is to limit his snaps. So it's all about finding that balance. I don't think 30 carries a game, 25, 30 carries a game is that balance. I think it's probably closer to 20. Sure. Um, A guy on offense yesterday who returned to action was wide receiver Jacoby Myers. Myers came in, grabbed seven balls for 111 yards on eight targets, uh, one touchdown that were hard for him to come by. The throw from Zappi in the cover tool hole was a really nice play. He stepped up in the pocket, made his read, delivered the ball on on a dime into the end zone. I thought that was a, I thought that was one of Zappy's better throws of the day. Um, but Myers, a guy who seemingly was missing some time, Patriots, maybe not wanting to pay this guy, a guy who's in a contract year, um, was the fifth. He's the fifth highest graded wide receiver this season, according to pro football focus behind only Cooper cup, Stefan Diggs, Tyree kill, AJ Brown. It's tough because Jacoby hasn't played all the snaps. So it's a little bit skewed, but when he's out there, he plays quality football. Um, your thoughts on the day Myers had yesterday overall seemed like a really good uh, security blanket for Zappy in the slot. Again, first off, he looks much faster in red. We need to establish yes. that. Right. 
Yeah, I, I I thought he had a good game. Again, when it's not Mike Hughes across from him, is it going to look different? Right. Uh, I do like that they're stretching his route tree now a little more vertically, and that's yeah. I see people in the chat talking about paying him. Right? If you're going to pay him, he, you need to expand his route tree to to add. I'm not saying you have to only run him vertically, but you're just adding it to the toolbox, right? Because and you saw it. There was one third down where they ran him up the scene a couple, seam him a couple of times, and then. They, he he ran like a, a up out where like he really sold hard that he was going at about five yards. He kind of came back and in and just dusted the corner. Yeah, that route doesn't necessarily work if you're never going to run him on a go. Right. They're going to sit on that. So I, I, I like seeing his route tree expand a little bit yesterday. Again, it, it's tough to put stock into. Oh, he's getting all the separation because Mike Hughes isn't good, right. but he did what he asked him to do. I mean, he, he looked no knocks for a guy for a guy who didn't play in for two weeks. No knocks. He looked great. I'm interested if his route tree continues to expand. I'm interested to see what he looks like next week. He'll probably draw Greg Newsom in coverage. That's going to be a yep. big matchup. That's going to be a heavyweight matchup. So that'll be fun to see. It will be for sure. Um, I also just a couple notes on the rest of the wide receiver room. Um, yeah. Devontae Parker did not have a target. And Kendrick Bourne had one. Officially. Catch for... Did not officially have a target. He drew those correct. two DPIs. Right. Yes, correct. Did not officially yeah. have a target. Did, drew some yeah. DPIs, but wasn't much of a factor outside of that. Um, and then Kendrick Bourne had one catch for one yard. This is getting into a little bit of the drama, I suppose, Alex. And I know you hate this kind of Did stuff. Did you see the but... video he posted, though? Bourne is great. Yeah, about the uh, the group project? Yeah. Yeah, that was good stuff. Um, yeah. For those of you who don't know, Jacoby, uh, Jacoby, Kendrick Bourne posted something on Instagram today basically saying that uh, when you get an A on the group project and did nothing involved in the project, something along those lines, uh, because like you said, like I just said, he only had one catch for one yard. Patriots win 29, nothing. So funny stuff from Bourne on Instagram, but also a clip going around of him and Belichick getting into it a little bit on the sideline. It was on a play where he was called for a penalty because he covered up the, uh, covered up the tight end and, um, it's a penalty for ineligibility reasons. Um, Anything to make about Bourne and Belichick is that maybe is him is his willingness to argue with Belichick any sort of reason you think on him potentially being in the doghouse here? Well, here's the thing that happened, and then he played the second most snaps of any receiver on the team. Right. So I think that was just a heat of the moment thing. I do. Yeah. I, I think he was trying to explain himself. I don't think he liked the call. I, I, I don't think that – look, it didn't throw him back in the doghouse, right? He kept playing. If anybody's in the doghouse, it's Nelson Aguilar. And I know they said he got hurt. Yeah. Okay. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, with you on that. I don't buy yeah. that 100% either. Yeah. I'm not I, – I, I'm not – like, if, if he didn't play again after that, yeah, it's a huge thing. He got – then it looks like he got benched for arguing with Belichick. Fair. He didn't play – He still know, got his reps. 57% doesn't seem like a ton, but that's probably – about where he should be. I've been saying this. He should be at about a 60% usage rate. It's a season high. I I, I don't, I don't think there's, we'll see what he does next week. Look, maybe it's a delayed thing and Bill doesn't play him next week, but for right now, he still got his playing time all in on it. And I'll say this about the wide receivers too, Mike. And this is something I've talked about since the summer, mm -hmm. the way they use the wide receivers on Sunday is how they should use the wide receivers yep. for the rest of the year. None of these guys need to be playing 100%. The yep. strength of the wide receiver room isn't the top of the depth chart. It's the depth. It's one to six in the fact that they all have different skill sets. Mix and match the combinations. Give the defense different looks. Keep them off guard, which the it, you saw that yesterday against Detroit on Jacoby Myers' touchdown. They brought Devontae Parker back on the field. He hadn't been on the field the corner, and I forget the name, but the corner that had been assigned to Myers switched over to Parker when he came on for, I think it was Thornton, right? And that's obviously yeah. a very different matchup. Right. New corner on Jacoby, and he got kind of lost on that touchdown. So the the usage rates, and they can vary a little bit based on matchup. I'm not saying you stick to anything, but Jacoby at 80%, Bourne was at 57 Devontae Parker came in at 52 Tyquan Thornton was at 42%. LJ Humphrey was at 23%. Nelson Aguilar was at 12. Like that's probably a pretty good balance. And it was maybe some weeks, some guys play more others. If you're going to take somebody out because six is a lot, it probably is Aguilar at this point. Please be three, Aguilar. Three bad. I know he's the big numbers. But he's got three bad turnovers this year. Mm -hmm. And I talk about the value of all the skill sets being different, right? The closest overlap is Dorton and, and Aguilar, right? So, right. 
But between those five guys, I know I'm the rotation guy, right? I sound like a broken record. We just did this with the running backs, and I'm going to talk about it later with the corners. Yep. The way their roster is built, the the way for this team to be the most effective is to play as many players as they can and keep everybody fresh and and try to just out stamina teams late. I it's, it's something that the Patriots have done in the past. They did it with higher level talent in the past, but they've done it in the past and it's worked. They really haven't done it as much the last couple of years and maybe they didn't have the depth for it. Right. They do now. So I love what they did with the wide receivers on Sunday. I hope that trend continues. Agreed. And I also, again, I said it, I went on a little bit of a tangent last night, a little bit of a rant here, but I'm so beyond done with Nelson Aguilar in this receiver room. So I, I hope that it's Thornton, more Thornton, less Aguilar now that he's back off IR because, again, a guy who you bring in and you pay a ton of money, he no-shows, okay, it's a bust of a contract. You win some, you lose some, I guess. Not every contract's going to hit, right? Last year, no-show, okay. But this year, three games, he's making plays that are like actively costing your offense. That's stuff that can't happen and that you like literally have to take him off the field and be like, look, we can't have this. You need to redeem yourself somehow, some way to get yourself back on the field. He hasn't really done that thus far. He's making more, more mistakes, more stuff we've seen from him in Philly. You guys know the meme with the guy, the uh, dropping babies like Aguilar. Like, again, it's just it's it's stuff that you can't have, especially in a game where your third string quarterback is out there just trying to survive. He hits him in the numbers and he gives he pops up an interception. Can't have it from Aguilar. So that's that's my one gripe about this offense yesterday. Um, yeah. I think that um, I have tried to mix these uh, these LinkedIn things into uh, <laughs> some stuff with guys uh, losing jobs. So I probably should have done this with Matt Rule and because uh, he'll be on the job search soon. However, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, so that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's getting towards the end of 2022, so what better way to finish the year strong than with the right team member? LinkedIn Jobs makes it super easy to post your jobs. You do so, and then you add the job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile picture to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And it's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free today at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, we just did the offense. We will now get into the defense. Patriots defense, Alex, you wrote about it. We talked about it last night, but let's do it again because they the Patriots' defense was phenomenal yesterday. The league's leading offense coming into the game in the Detroit Lions. They were averaging 35 points per game in their first four. Patriots shut them out yesterday. They went 0 for 6 on fourth down. It was a dominant showing. Um, initial thoughts off the top for you before we kind of get into the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah, and the Lions had almost everybody, right? They didn't have DeAndre Swift, but yep. you know the running game is as much about the offensive line as it is about the back. That the, the offensive line was fully healthy. Amon Ross, St. Brown played. T.J. Hawkinson played, and they still held them. They still held them, and they they shut them out. So, not again. I, I don't. I talked about all the qualifiers on offense earlier. Not a ton of qualifiers here. They played right. well. Period. Plain and simple. Oh, it's Jared Goff. Well, Jared Goff put up thirty-five points a game to that point. It's the second time in the last 25 years, and believe it or not, I don't have the first one in front of me. I know I usually do. This was per ESPN. Second time in the last 25 years, a team came in scoring 35 points per game or more and was shut out. You know, this late in the season. It's not like right. a team scores 35 in week 35 one and week one. shut yeah. out in week two, right? This late in the season, just the second time that's happened. So legitimate performance. I think this defense is for real. I think they're for real, for real. I think it's worth getting excited about. They still got a couple things on the edges they need to iron out. Right. They're not going to shut out everybody, but right. They got some, they got some players on that side of the ball, man. Yeah, they do. And it starts up front with Matt Judon and not dumb in front. He had three tackles, two sacks season high, four quarterback pressures, the forced fumble that led to the 59 yard fumble return touchdown from Kyle Duggar. Matthew Judon is the best player on this defense. And he showed it last year. He um, fizzled a little bit down the stretch, but he looks all as, all as dominant as he did at the beginning of last year. So I mean, Judon's that guy for them on the front, and he needs to keep this up if they want to keep, you know, putting teams in the ground like this. 
Yeah. And, and it goes back to kind of that sustainability thing. And he said after yep. the game that he's trying to, you know, condition himself better and be ready for that run. Yep. But he's been, he, he's been making it all go up front. He's been excellent. Yeah. And good on him too, I guess, for kind of being able to, I think being able to admit something like that, right. A guy oh, who totally, yeah. Like straight up, like did not perform down the stretch the way he should have. And it may have cost him some games or at least definitely some drives throughout the end of the season last year. So a guy who admittedly lost, you know, like you said, some conditioning down the stretch last year and uh, is working toward to improve that. And he looks great so far. So, you know, hope to see that continue on. Um, you have some stuff to go in on about the cornerback room. So we'll start it off with Jack Jones, the rookie. Uh, he had a second career interception yesterday versus the Lions, an awesome play, uh, reading Jared Goff's eyes and coming over and uh, grabbing the ball essentially out of TJ Hawkinson's hands. Uh, he's awesome. I think he has the perfect cornerback attitude. He's a ball hawk. I guess I've said it for better or for worse. Obviously, he's a rookie. We haven't seen too many missed opportunities or misplays from him so far. They're sure to come when you play football like that, but he's looked really good so far. He's the highest graded cornerback in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. I keep bringing these PFF numbers in here, but I mean, when you're in, when you're ahead of in a conversation, guys like Javarius Ward, Pat Sertain, Jalen Ramsey, and Stephon Gilmore, you're playing at their level. That's really good to see through the first five games of the year. Again, the caveat is same with Myers in the numbers is that he hasn't played the snaps, but he's been active for five games, so he technically qualifies. But when he's out there, he's playing good football. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he, he really is. And I, I, I kind of talked about this yesterday and then Bill actually talked about it this morning that that interception is such a high level play mentally because mm-hmm. he, so they, they're running a concept and they scored on it last week where TJ Hawkinson's lined up in line. He's going to run a, a wheel up the sideline and then they run a go out of the slot. Yep. And essentially what that does, like with a lot of offensive game planning and the Patriots are, or were masterful at this in the, in the Brady era, you find young players or players you think you could just take advantage of. And you put them what's called in conflict. You basically give them a play where they have two Mm -hmm. options and they, they have to in a split second, make the right read. And what that play does when you run two guys parallel on the same side of the ball, if they're at that, if they're at the same level, right, they're both five, 10, 15, 20 yards down the field at about the same time. The 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 over the top defender, it's not super difficult because you're gonna have time to get to both. Now, right. when one guy's 20 yards down the field and the other guy's 13 yards down the field, suddenly you're in conflict because how that's deep do you play? Right? Yep. You don't want to play too deep that you can't get to the guy that's 13 down the field, but you don't want to play too shallow that the other guy gets behind you. So on that interception, they again it's it's the wheel route up the sideline and then the go in the slot. So I believe it was Tom Kennedy's the, the slot receiver. And that's Jack yes. Jones coverage assignment. Jack. So Jack Jones is following him up the seam. Hawkinson's a little bit behind him in terms of the depth coming up the sideline. Jack Jones recognizes where the throws going comes off his assignment, covers a good amount of ground. And now all of a sudden it's athleticism, right? Goes up, gets the ball. The fact he got his feet in given how high he jumped, where he jumped might've been, Sneaky, the most impart, yeah. impressive part of that play. But, you know, you go back to the play last week against Green Bay and not to minimize it, but he ran the route better than the receiver. He picked the ball off. Like, that's right. what corners do. This was on another level. This was really mm-hmm. on another level. And it's – so to go, I, I said before, I don't have Zappy fever. I have a variant. I have Jack Jones yes. fever. Seeing okay. that, and he's still rounding his game out. The thing about really aggressive corners is – a lot of it's instinct and your instincts are only as good as what you know. Right. Mm -hmm. So the more football he sees, the more he plays, he's going to learn the different ways that quarterbacks and receivers are going to try to attack him, And he just kind of files it away. And it just adds to that catalog. It's sort of like with Tom Brady, the, all the answers to the test thing. Right. So for Jack Jones, like there was the play uh, later in the game, it's a third and 13. He gives up a 20 yard completion to Khalif Raymond because Khalif Raymond gave him a little head nod and he bit on the go. And Raymond comes back and makes the catch, right? So he's still got to iron that out. And that's yep. still sort of where I think they they don't overly expose him. Played 61% of the snaps yesterday. I think that's probably about the number 60 to 70. But when you see him make a play like he did on that interception, to know that he has that in his bag, that's. I mean that Jay Z Jackson made his bread and butter on plays like that. Like that's right. that's really encouraging to see because it's like 
okay, he can do this once he kind of figures out how to 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 sort through some of the misdirection stuff he's going to see, and he can do that on a more regular basis, it's going to get really exciting. Totally agree. Um, like you say, you have the fever. Um, I do as well. I'm waiting on some odds to come out um, to take a look. Are we at talking where defensive player of the year? He, not player of the year, rookie of the year. Defense, that's what I meant. Sorry. Defense, yes. Not winning I'm going yes. to see where he sits after a week like this. Two weeks in a row, he... I don't believe he leads the NFL in interceptions, but he's certainly up there. He's making plays as a rookie. Um, I think right now, I'm taking a look. Guys like Devin Lloyd and Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, your typical guys are at the top of the list. George Karloftis has been really good for Kansas City so far, but like, I don't know. If Jack Jones keeps making flash plays on this, he he could make a run at Defensive Rookie of the Year. In my opinion, again, I'm going to take a look at the odds and kind of go more in depth on that on CLNS Media later on this week. So you'll be able to check that out. But in saying that, you had mentioned about the wide receiver and running back rooms as far as kind of, you know, pulling back reps, rotational piece, rotational guys. Um, So if he doesn't get the reps in the room, he's not going to be able to win defensive rookie of the year. How do you see the reps kind of moving forward with the emergence of Jack Jones? Where do you kind of see that go? Yeah. So uh, again, I think that, you know, they do want to kind of limit exposing him a little bit. I think in those key situations, they're going to lean on veterans, Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones. I he's, he's steadily played throw. He played 99% against green Bay, but they didn't have Jalen Mills. He was inactive. So that's almost a, yep. an outlier. You almost kind of have to throw that out for the purpose of this discussion. I'm not saying you have to throw out the performance. The performance was excellent, but right. I, I think, you know, it's steadily gone up every couple of weeks. He's at 61% this week, which is a high outside of that game, that Green Bay game. I think you probably still see it increase 4 to 5% for the next couple of weeks. And I think he probably mm-hmm. maxes out for this season, somewhere between 65 and 75%. And then next year we can talk about as maybe an 85, 90% guy. But sure. I still think they're going to leave, assuming everybody stays healthy, I still think they lean on Jalen Mills and, and Jonathan Jones in the big spots and they use him as a change of pace guy. Because, again, there are still going to be those moments where he's going to look like a rookie. You saw one against Detroit, right. and yep. they don't want to necessarily have those in big spots. Agreed. But, again, it's – I mean, like you say, you have the fever. I had it since last week. <laughs> the second he picked off Aaron Rodgers going into the end zone, I was like, this this is fun to see. I mean, a guy who's as aggra- plays as aggressive as he is, he has that kind of cornerback one type attitude that you saw from guys like Revis and Ramsey just kind of – obviously Richard Sherman – a guy that talks, a guy that has fun with it. I think it's awesome to see. Um, so you got to have that mentality a, to play that exactly that level. Exactly, and it's you know, Gilmore. It it would come out in in spurts, but he was generally a more laid back kind of low tone guy. Seeing this from Jack Jones is just I think it's so fun because I a guy like Jalen Ramsey who was like that all the time, a guy like Sherman who was like that all the time. It's just it's. It's ex- you hate him when you play against him, and you love it when he's on your team. So, good stuff right. to see from Jack Jones. We'll we'll continue to look forward to that throughout the rest of the season. Um, one last spot we talked about it last night, but I figure we'll touch on it again for the strict Patriots beat guys uh, who tune in. Um, the safety room, the safety room was awesome yesterday. The safety room is a room that Bill Belichick himself called the best room on this football team. It's a room that was injured a little bit at the beginning of the year with guys like Kyle Duggar. Um, but they showed out yesterday. Duggar was awesome in coverage. He had the 59 yard fumble return touchdown. McCordy was great as your, as your quarterback guy out there, if you will, you know, quarterback of the defense. Um, so he was awesome. Adrian Phillips was awesome. I mean, the safety room, like I said, a room that was supposed to be good to start the year, slow start, brought it all yesterday. I thought they looked awesome. Yeah, that's the best they've looked. Like you said, Duggar taking away Hawkinson. I think that conversation about, you know, are the Patriots struggling with tight ends? Yeah, when your top tight end stoppers hurt, you're going to struggle covering tight ends. I don't, right. you know, I think a lot of the questions we had about the talent on the defensive side of the ball were more due to absences due to injury than actual lack sure. of talent, right? You see Duggar come back, what that does for the safety room. Uh, Jalen Mills coming back, what that does for the corners. Even, I mean, Mac Wilson and, and Raekwon McMillan both made big plays yesterday as linebackers. And those right. are guys who've been up. I'd even add Devon Godshot to that list. He didn't miss any time, but... He was on the injury report for a couple of weeks with a back injury and yeah. he was removed this week. And then he makes, you know, one of the biggest plays of the game that, that yeah, early stop two, on right? fourth down, right. Yeah. He was right there. So I think getting healthy is the best thing that could have happened to this defense. I know some people are talking about personnel moves. Um, 
Deion Jones name was getting brought up a lot, right? Guys like that. I think the best thing that could have happened to the Patriots defense was getting healthy. And it looks like they're finally, you know, relatively healthy. Yeah, definitely on all three levels too. Um, so we talked about the key to the game sort of being stop the run, make Jared Goff beat you. And that's exactly what they did yesterday. Um, any final thoughts on the defense before we kicked it towards the end of this thing here? Just, I mean, overarching, more in-depth, whatever you kind of want to get off your chest here before we start to wrap. Um, it was really interesting. They actually went to a little 4-3 yesterday. Yeah. When when the Lions were really, you know, having some success running the ball. You don't see them do right. it that often. No. I like the personnel they did it with. It was Barmore, Godshaw-wise, and they threw Sam Roberts on the other end. Yeah, he did see his snaps go up, yeah. The first time he's gotten, like, real defensive playing time, and yeah, I don't know that that's, like, an every-week package, but against a team that runs like the Lions do, it makes some sense to mix it in, and the Browns run the ball a ton as well. So Yeah, maybe see it again next week. Interesting, interesting set. I wonder if that, uh, that comes back. And actually, the other one would be touching on the safeties, and I know we've got some big Miles Bryant fans in the chat here. The way that early in the game, on early downs, they actually went with the two-corner, three-safety look, and they were rotating Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips as the slot corner. Yeah, And then they'd go to Miles Bryant on third down. Marcus Jones actually finally got some run in this game later in the game playing yep. in the slot, and he made a play. But that three-safety look with the safety playing the nickel, didn't hate that. And no, that, might be, that might be a matchup thing. Again, you want to be bigger. You know, and we saw it pay off almost instantly. The play where Kyle Duggar early in that game fights through the two blocks to blow up the screen. Yep. Miles Bryant, Marcus Jones, those two guys are not making that play. So yep. I don't, you know, can you run it every week? I, I probably not, but depends on personnel on the other side right. too, obviously. It's it's kind of cool to know that they have that one in their back pocket because I thought that they haven't done a ton of that. They've done some no. three safety stuff, but it's yeah. mostly been six defensive backs. I was trying to think of you know, three safety, five defensive back looks they've run. Can't think of a ton of them. So cool, cool little wrinkle, cool little wrinkle there for the defense. I like seeing that. Yeah. It's good to, again, it's good to see them like, uh, adjust on the fly, if you will. I mean that not that, well, I won't get into Belichick's ego here and kind of things like that, but like to see them adjust on the fly, switch up the entire base defense into a four, three, bringing a guy like Sam Roberts. It's good to see. It's good to see that. Like you said, it's good to see it. It's in their bag of tricks. Oh, there is another thing we need to bring up. You know what a good game. Shout out Jelani. to Court in the chat. Jelani Tavaya had a good game. Not a for him good game. Not a, oh, he had a couple good moments. He yep. played well. He played well. And, and it's a couple games now he's played well. So there yeah. you go. Agreed. And you don't have to say you too, because as much as we both said that we weren't fans of Tavai during camp, we both did say he probably shouldn't make the team. Alex at least read Belichick for what he was telling us was that Tavai is going to make this team myself newer to the industry, not learning what Belichick says is gospel here in new England. I thought that it was just maybe some posturing. I don't know what I thought, but Tavai made the team and he's been damn good the last two weeks. So kudos to Jelani Tavai, who has been again, a really good integral piece of this defense who is making plays week in and week out at this point. Good to see for him. Yeah. Um, I believe that's that on the defense. My only last point here is that from the defense, this is the strength of this team, and the defense will be the reason they do or don't compete for a wild card spot in the AFC. The AFC is a lot weaker than we thought it was going to be. The AFC West specifically is a lot weaker than we thought it was going to be. Um, the North is beating each other up. The East is... The, the AFC East has a bunch of good records, but again, we talked about the Jets. The AFC East is basically the Big Ten West, where Nebraska's exactly. in first place. Yeah. yeah. So, again, if the Patriots come through this stretch here and grab a couple wins, they're going to compete for a wild-card spot through the end of the season, so long as this defense continues to play the way that they're playing. So, again, Patriots win 29 nothing, And Nick Full continues to hit kicks. Let's not leave Nick yes. Folk He was awesome. Right. We touched on that last night, but we'll give him yeah. his uh, – We'll give him his due on this show as well because he hit five field goals. Nick Folk is probably the second best kicker in the league right now behind Justin Tucker. And uh, he has been for the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it sounds kind of crazy to say, but if you look at the numbers, it's I mean, it's right there in front of you. It's so. funny when everybody when, when they sign him, and I remember I actually looked this because remember his first couple games, he was erratic. And yeah. the Patriots yep. coaching staff said they were standing behind him. And I wrote something about it. And people were like, Well, what's the point? He can't hit from 50 or beyond. So like, why do they want him? And I, 
the fact that you know once you get inside like the 35 yard line, you're getting points. Right. I, I don't think people understand that that's not normal. Like we've had a great run of kickers here in New England, right? I maybe I'm in the minority on this. I'd rather the guy that hits from 50 and in 99% of the time, but can't hit from beyond 50 than the guy who's like, you know, 75% from right. 50 plus and like, you know, 80, 85% from 50 in. Give me the guy who's consistent above all else at their position. If we're yeah. talking leg, we can talk about punters. Punter, I'd rather right. have the the power and the accuracy. Accuracy to me is like 75, 80% of the kicker evaluation. And you're yeah. seeing it with Nick Folk right now. Agreed. And it's like, I mean, that's what the Ravens have in Tucker too, right? Did you, I don't know if you saw the end of last night's game, but they, they have an offense where at the end of game, so long as you get to like the, essentially the 35, 40 yard line, you're going to win the game. If you're within, you're going to be able to, he's Tucker's going to put it in. And that's sort of what we have with folk in a little bit closer range, I guess. Right. Um, so I don't know. Again, Nick folk will give, like I said, give him his, give him his kudos here on this show because he was awesome yesterday. Um, so Patriots win 29, nothing before we wrap this thing up, we're going to bring it back. Another segment that I have yet to do on here. I don't believe, um, See if the backer gets on there. We're going to go into some Boston Sports Minute uh, because we have the Bruins. The Boston Bruins start on Wednesday. Uh, They take on the Capitals from Washington, I believe, at 7 7 p.m. puck drop. Um, The Bruins have had an interesting offseason, to say the least. Um, Sort of feels like a last dance vibe around the team right now. I mean, it's Uh, been that way for the last three years. (laughs) I know, but I don't know. You, You fire Bruce Cassidy, you bring in Jim Montgomery. Um, David Krejci comes back on a one-year deal. Bergeron comes back on a one-year deal. Really feels like the final, final one last dance. Uh, you're not going to have two Garaskin between the pipes. It's still going to be, you know, Jeremy Swayman and Linus Olmark. But thoughts on the Bruins coming into this year? It feels really like they kind of, this is do or die for them. If they don't do it here, it might be full rebuild going forward. So here's what I think of, like, the best thing you can do in hockey, the best thing that can happen for a team in hockey is to get hot right before the playoffs, right? And they're going to get key players back later in the season. Patrice Bergeron, Charlie McAvoy. So they're Marchand, in good shape Marchand, to do right? that. Yes. I, th- he, I, I think he's only going to miss like a month. Okay. Maybe still, I, he'll be, I don't know. But, the, the, the but he won't like, have to play a full season is the point. There this the, the, They're in a really interesting spot where the season, the, the, the roster is naturally built for them to almost organically improve as the year goes on, which is, I mean, that's any sports team. That's not just hockey. I shouldn't say that any team bill right. talks about this all the time with the Patriots. You want to progressively get better as season goes on. The Bruins are almost built for that. The way they're going to get these guys back. I'm not saying it's on purpose, but the problem is we got to survive the beginning of the year and they've got right. a brutal stretch. I think it's games three through 12 where they've got, they got a West coast trip where they got Colorado. They've got Calgary, um, you know, a couple other games. I believe they have Tampa Bay in there. I believe they have Toronto in there. You can't let it be over before it begins. That's right. that's the biggest thing with me. They're going to have to figure out a way to steal some games early if if kind of the JV team can keep them afloat until they get McAvoy yeah. and Bergeron back. Then they might be cooking with gas. Then yeah. they might really have something. Uh, I, know, I know Ty Anderson from 98.5 has picked them to win the division. Okay. I, I do think there are some teams in the division that have taken a step back, which is part of Ty's analysis. Certainly. Yeah. But to they need I, I almost don't want to say they need a strong start because they're not going to have a strong start. They don't have their full roster. But if they can steal a couple of games early, like a couple of big games against good teams early, they're they're gonna be in good shape. And they do, as somebody said in the chat, they do need to get David Postnock locked up. Like yeah, we, definitely well, do that's this. something. Him and Devers. That's like get the Devers thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, do you – well, two things. I had something in the chat. Yeah, this is a good question again from Court. Um, who's going to have a better record this year, Vegas with Bruce Cassidy or the Bruins? I'm looking at ESPN's NHL power rankings right now. Yeah. The Bruins are at 14 and the Golden Knights are at 15. So similar teams, I guess, as far as like skill set and skill-wise and kind of just how they've played over the last several seasons. So – you got a prediction there on who who has a better record, Vegas or the Bruins? I'm not that I'm not that familiar with Vegas's roster. Okay. Um. So I, I know they. Ha- I know they obviously have. Um, they have Eichel. 
They have Eichel. I don't know. He's he's the guy that's banged up here and there as well sometimes. I yeah. don't know where he is health-wise. But look, I that that team, I'll say this. That team underperformed last year. Yeah. I think Cassie, Cassie's going to get him going again. Like, they, yeah. they should perform up to the talent. He lucked into a really good job. Yeah, no, I mean they'll be they, it'll be comparable. It'll be they're they're both they both should be playoff teams. That that's really interesting one because with Cassidy, I think part of the knock was you know fair or not. I think part of the knock was that they kept getting capped in the playoffs, right? They they just yep. couldn't win that big series in the playoffs. Who gets further in the postseason? I think that's going to be very interesting to see. That yeah. that would be my question back to you. I'm sorry, I don't have a definitive answer, but I. I didn't, I didn't, I thought firing Cassidy was a mistake. I did. I said it at the time. I too. Jim Montgomery might be good, but you lucked into it at that point. Like Bruce Cassidy's a good coach. I think if you have a good coach, you don't, you know, necessarily move on from him. So yeah, um, I felt about that one. Same. I same. And I, Jim Montgomery's a guy, he won a natty at Denver, I believe a few years ago. He has some NHL experience. He had some baggage, which is why he ended up not having a head coach job at the time. Right. Um, he, like I said, he has the natural experience. It's also a thing where this is another team drama type thing. It seemed like with um, all the whole Jake DeBrusque thing um, with Cassidy and sort of, it seems like players are kind of taking sides on players versus coaches. And that seemed to be, it, it's, it's weird because Cassidy seems like a solid, like kick you in the ass locker room guy who people want right. to get behind. But as soon as he gets fired, Bergeron comes back, Krejci comes back, and it's like DeBrusque says he rescinds the trade request, and it's like, uh, you know, all guns are blazing again moving forward. So well, as a guy who liked Cassidy, all that kind of said something different to me. And and I don't disagree. And yeah. we went through that whole thing in this city three, four years ago. Well, if it comes down to Brady or Bill, who do you pick? Right. Kraft obviously picked Bill, and a lot of people were pissed off about that. It's not quite apples to apples. Bruce Cassidy's not Bill right. Belichick, but they chose the players. They chose the players right. for better or worse. And and I would like to see if there was a way to mend that bridge. But um, yeah. And I saw somebody ask for the college football minute. I think that's going to be Thursday. Yes, we're going to get into that Thursday. Um, I was doing a little bit of research on trying to prep a minute that we were going to put in here. Um, ultimately, yeah. I I decided that this weekend's games were fine. But there's an awesome slate coming up hey man. this coming weekend. Hey, man. Rutgers, Nebraska was everything I wanted it to be. That game Okay, cool. but again, I guess I guess that's kind of why we designed this college football minute to get into games like Rutgers and Nebraska. But regardless, there's a legit we slate. Do we can do it Thursday. There's a legit slate coming up this weekend. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that on Thursday, and then we'll probably recap that the following Tuesday. So uh, plenty to talk about on the college football front these coming weeks. But wanted to get in the Boston Sports Bruins yeah. minute here. We're doing um, kicks for tonight. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Monday Night Football too. We have um, Raiders at Chiefs. Is that where the game is? Why do we never know where the game is? I is never like know. The third time this has happened. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, it's at the Chiefs. Yep. Raiders at Chiefs at Arrowhead. Chiefs are seven point favorites. The total is fifty one and a half. Um, Mahomes has been the Raiders' daddy the last several years. Josh McDaniels' first matchup against Patrick Mahomes as head coach. Um, I know how I see this game playing out, Alex, I suppose you can go first and you can kind of let me know, uh, kind of what you feel about what happened. Yeah, I, I, I want to like the Raiders, man. I do. I, I kind of was all in on that in the preseason and they just haven't delivered. They've looked bad. They've looked bad. So yeah, they have, this one could, this one could be over early. We've been very lucky this year with pretty much every primetime game I think has been closed. You know, the opener kind of got. It, it was close-ish at halftime, and the, the the Bills sort of ran away with it the second half. I'm trying to think since then. Pretty much every primetime game has been, been you know, right down to, to late in the yeah. fourth quarter. I think that trend breaks tonight. I, I think the Chiefs win this one big. I think so, too, and that's where I was kind of going with that at the beginning. Is I, I do think the Chiefs just end up blowing it open, but I would love to see, and I almost want to see, a really competitive game tonight because – this Raiders offense, when Derek Hart and Devonta Adams can be on, can be lethal. As far with him, uh, why can I not think of Darren Waller's name? Jeez, uh, yeah. They have weapons, and they have a guy in McDaniel's who has proven to be a pretty good play caller in the league. So, like, it's a team that has a lot of potential and just hasn't put it together so far. They made a couple signings this offseason. Um, they, you know, brought in Chandler Jones and uh, 
bolstered up the back end of their defense a little bit too. So it's like it's a team that has a lot there that hasn't really got it going so far. Hopefully tonight's the night because I'd like to see a close game, but ultimately Mahomes is Mahomes. At the end of the day, he's the best quarterback in this league, and he's probably going to uh, take it to the Raiders again tonight. Um, so yeah, that's my thought there. Anything else on anything else on Monday Night Football? Do you like the Monday Night Football booth so far? Do you like Buck and Aikman on Mondays? Yeah, I love Buck and Aikman. I, okay. it, it makes me keep thinking it's like every time I hear Buck and Aikman, I think like crap. I got to go get my homework done. That's like the instant. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So you know, there's there's just a certain setting I'm used to hearing them in, and, and that's an adjustment. But no, I mean they've been. They've been, they were going to, I liked them at Fox. I liked them at Fox. I like yeah, them now. Too. So I'm generally booth. not a problem that as a person with booths, I think the only booth the the Monday night football, when they were rotating guys sucked with like Tessator and Booger and like, yeah, the only booth that I really don't. And it's really only I, Brad Nestler's great. I can't stand Gary Danielson. I just can't stand. Yeah. Him. He's the one the, guy for whatever reason. I just, I, he, he bugs me. Uh, I can't stand Charles Davis on CBS. He bugs the crap out of me. He's fine. I, he's, my favorite, I he's fine. No, he, I, he's the one guy I can't. You know who stand. I couldn't stand was Dan. Dan Fouts was brutal. Yeah, I, I wasn't. Dan, a fan he's, either, yeah, he, he was. And I wasn't was a fan Fouts. of Sims either. Phil Sims was not very good. Um, I, I like the Romo edition. It's gotten a little stale. I, it's gotten a little old, but Sims, like some of the stuff he said was annoying. But he, had, like, his voice was very easy to listen to. Like he had a football voice, right? Yeah, that's, that's part of it. It's not just what they. It, it's not just what they say. It's what do they sound like? Sims, like right. that voice was like. All right, four fifteen. It's Pat's Steelers. It's Pat's Ravens. It's yeah. you know, pa- Patriots versus some good NFC team. Like that, just it worked. It clicked. It's a fair point. Um, yeah. we'll get into, or not so much. We'll get into it, but we could put up the college football minute backer for this. Clat and Gus Johnson are amazing on Fox. Oh, God, he's that great. is the best booth on television, football wise. I think. I wish they'd let Gus Johnson do NFL games again. I really do. Me too. That was awesome. I remember there was a play, and we're, now we're just getting nostalgic here. And we could, you guys could just sit and listen to me and Alex's conversation for the next hour if you'd like. But uh, there was this one play. It was a Broncos game. I think Kyle Orton hit Brandon Stokely on like a deep ball, and Gus Johnson just goes out of his mind. And it was just, it was awesome to hear on an NFL Sunday. Love uh, Gus, man. Love him. Uh, but that's that. That's uh, that's where we're at with. Um, our Monday Night Football picks, our our loving of some college football announcers. Um, yeah. Repa- recapped Patriots versus Lions. Patriots win 29 nothing. move to 2-3 and three on the season. They will head to Cleveland this weekend to take on the 2-4 and four Browns? 2-3 and three Browns, rather? Yeah, it's, uh, week, it's week six, so they're not 2-4. and four. Yeah, um, no, yes. 2-3 and three sounds right. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, yep. Yep. Two I gotta get my. Yep, I got to have that stuff in front of me next time. But again, heading to Cleveland. Uh, we, Me and Alex will preview that game coming up this Thursday. Um, so check us out here on Patriots Beat. Um, we will, again, yeah, we'll preview that Thursday. Um, so we will see you guys then. We'll also be back next week twice to um, do the same thing here again. So um, make sure to tune in. Read all Alex's stuff at 985thesportsup.com. You can follow him on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. You can read my stuff at clnsmedia.com. Follow me at Mike Catholic. Um, so... Thank you all for tuning in. Until Thursday, we'll uh, we'll see you around.